This episode of the Managing Major Podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you think you might be feeling depressed, stressed, anxious, or overwhelmed, BetterHelp is here to help. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help you, and you can talk to your therapist in a private online environment at your convenience. There's a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's 20,000 plus therapist network that gives you access to help that may not be available in your area. And all you have to do is just fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs, and then you get matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Then you schedule secure video and phone sessions, plus you can exchange unlimited messages and everything you share is completely confidential. You can request a new therapist at no additional charge at any time. Join the 2 million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. Special offer to Manage Image Podcast listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash managingmadrid. That's betterhelp.com slash managingmadrid. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring the Managing Madrid podcast. This episode is also brought to you by Royal Sonesta Washington, D.C. DuPont Circle. They are proud sponsors of the Managing Madrid podcast world tour, and they hooked us up and hosted a killer podcast in D.C., and if you missed it, I don't know what to tell you. You missed a great one. It was one of my favorite ones. We're going to kickstart the tour again in the summertime. Late summer, we're going to follow Real Madrid around for preseason tours in the United States, so keep your eyes peeled for that. Uh, and, of course, this episode is brought to you by Patreon.com slash Madrid. You missed two great episodes there if you're not a patron yet. Uh, on Tuesday, Tuesday Tapas with myself and Matt Wiltsey. We discussed our favorite moments of the season. We went pretty deep in detail, too, because we talked about our favorite hipster moments of the season, um, Ancelotti's best quotes, what he needs to fix for next season, uh, and hot take predictions for the summer and more. And then on Thursday, Lucas Navarrete and I discussed Rudiger, transfers, lineups, Ballon d'Or, legacies, and more on the world-famous Real Madrid mailbag. Those are both on patreon.com slash managingmadrid. Just as a reminder, we're very active pretty much almost daily between the free podcast and the Patreon podcast. If you want to not miss anything, make sure you're a member over on patreon.com slash managingmadrid. It's highly worth it, and you get a ton of content and value in return. And of course, on managingmadrid.com, a ton of analysis, a ton of news. I wrote a big column about how Rudiger fits. Yash Thakur wrote a tribute to Aslani, and then we have analysis on Courtois, which I wrote about as well, and plenty more. So keep it locked on managingmajor.com. Today's episode is all about Rudiger and what he brings to the table. I think you'll enjoy the discussion that Jose Perez and I had. And let's get right to it, and let's let uh, the great Ray Hudson and Derek Ray kickstart the podcast. Let's go. Nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog. Wonderful lads that do a great job there. And... Times ended up almost looking like a 6-3-1. Some very good writing about that on the Managing Madrid website. Frustrate podcast as well. Of course, Pere Valverde was a huge part of the equation. All right, welcome to the official Rudiger podcast, the Rudiger episode of the Managing Midget podcast. It is Friday. We're heading into a lovely, beautiful weekend where hopefully it is sunny and nice wherever you are on earth. And we're going to talk about our new signing, which was officially announced yesterday, although it was an open secret. And we are going to bring in one of our favorite hosts uh, and one of the fan favorites of this podcast, Jose Perez. And I'm not sure if there's anyone better to have on this podcast because all day yesterday he was posting Rudiger memes on Twitter and his favorite version of Rudiger, which is the Batman Rudiger. He was posting interviews of Rudiger and how the fact that Pepe is basically his idol, which, you know, we could all use a little bit of Pepe in our <laughs> lives. We miss Pepe and his character and his craziness dearly. So, Jose, welcome to the show, my friend. Hello, Kian. Hello, everyone. Glad to be here again. And yes, uh, we can all we can always use a bit more madness in our lives. Uh, Real Madrid can use a bit more madness in that defensive line, I guess. And yes, um, Rudiger is going to be the most uh, lovable lunatic for this fan base. 
and he is also coincidentally one of the best center backs in the world. So it's uh, it's a signing that's it's hard not to be excited about it. Of course, this is a team that already had a what was already a pretty solid uh, center back duo with Alaba and Militao, but there are always things that could be improved, and I think Rudiger is a great signing to improve them. Yeah, you, you, what you mentioned there was key. He's also one of the best center backs in the world. I think if he was just a lunatic and wasn't good, this signing wouldn't be as exciting. But because he can back up uh, his bark with a lot of bite, uh, this is a very exciting signing. So I want to like table the how he fits into the starting lineup discussion for a second because Lucas and I somehow spent 30 minutes of yesterday's podcast talking about how Rudiger fits and who gets benched. And yesterday's podcast wasn't supposed to be about Rudiger at all. It was just a mailbag. And today was going to be the Rudiger podcast, but we spent 30 minutes about that. So we'll leave that. Get your thoughts on that towards the end of the podcast. But maybe talk to us about what Rudiger brings to the table. What are the attributes that you're most excited for that he brings to this Riyamja squad? Tell, tell us about his qualities. Yes. Uh, so Rüdiger has been an interesting, an interesting case. A player who's gone through uh, a few countries. He's gone through Roma. He's gone through Chelsea. And I think what he was lacking before, uh, it's a, it's not that uh, uh, different from say the Ramos or Pepe story. That he was a center back that was a lot of times exceedingly aggressive and didn't know how to control. And by aggressive, I don't mean like. Uh, like, I don't know, clipping people's uh, ankles or something like that. I mean, more like he's a center back that liked to go for the one versus one duel, that liked to go out of position, go for that duel. And that wasn't that wasn't always the best thing because he didn't necessarily win those duels because sometimes he was just too rash in his decision making. Uh, and again, it's not too different from the problems that Ramos and Pepe had during their 20s. And similar to them, as he's reached 28, 29 years of age, He's developed a bit more composure uh, and is is more level-headed about doing these kinds of decisions and deciding when to go forward. Uh, yeah. So uh, ultimately, the summary of, of Rüdiger, and I think I've given something like that in previous podcasts, is modern football demands impossible things, really, from uh, from centre-backs, like they need to be aggressive. They need to be good in a high line, but they also need to defend well when their team is defending deep. So they must also defend well in the box. Uh, they must be great, outstanding with the ball. And the thing is that you look at Rudiger's profile and he has everything. We're talking about a defender who is incredibly strong on one versus one duels, who is dominant in the air. He's fast. He's aggressive. He can defend in a high line. He's also, but he's also going to be in Real Madrid, the strongest one defending the air and the box alongside Militao. Um, so he has those characteristics defensively, and then with the with the ball, he is one of the best center backs, the most impactful center backs in the planet because he has everything uh, in the toolkit. With Chelsea, we've we've seen him do long diagonal passes. We've seen like those amazing ball carries that he does when he goes through like half the pitch running past everyone. Uh, he has a good shot in him. Uh, I'm looking, I, even looking at his stats, like it's not just his shot production. He's, let's see, is he, according to FB Ref, is he the center back with most shots? Yes. Uh, in the last year, he's been the center back with most shots among the big five leagues and is like top 6% in shot creating actions. In other yeah. words, He's a center back that is not, he's not just useful in build-up phases. He even has an impact in the final third. So he, and he's a threat from set pieces. So he has everything. And it's really hard to find a defender like that. Because you have guys like Alaba who are really good on the ball, uh, really composed defenders, but he Alaba is lacking like the defense in the box aspect, defending crosses, the aerial game. Militao uh, has that aerial game, has that physicality, but he's not that good in the in the build-up phases, in the attacking phases. Rüdiger has everything, and in my opinion, he comes to this to this Real Madrid squad as the best defender in the squad. So for me, it's not a matter of 
uh, of whether Rüdiger starts or not is who gets benched for him. Yeah, that then that's basically why Lucas and I spent 30 minutes talking about. We both agreed that he's coming to be a starter, but we disagreed on who it should be that hit the bench. Um, okay. Now, I will say I'm also a little bit, I, while I have my own personal beliefs about who should get benched, I'm also open to the idea that I may be wrong on who that person is. And I, I would also like to see it unfold. I think we're going to see numerous different combinations and and um, different different partnerships throughout the season, given the fact that it'll just be nice to have somebody like Alaba or somebody like Militao or somebody like Mendy come in off the bench or get rested or you know not have to be rushed back for an important game like we saw with Mendy versus PSG, for example, or Alaba versus Manchester City at the Etihad. To have that luxury, I think, is really important. But the, the question becomes important, I think, really when if the season is on the line and everybody's healthy, who is it that gets benched then? And, that, and I'm not sure of that, but we'll, we'll get your thoughts on that in a second. Um, you mentioned the shooting. You mentioned everything that he's good at, basically. But there was two things that caught me by surprise when I was looking at the numbers. One is the shooting aspect, which you talked about, because he's basically in the 100th percentile of center backs who shoot. Like He's like 99.9%. Like The guy just shoots um, unapologetically. And look, he's, he scored a couple bangers for Chelsea this season. He scored at least one that I can recall off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. um, the line-breaking stuff is also important. The other one that caught me off guard, and I didn't actually see this on Football Reference or, or Squawka or wherever else you get your stats. It was Opta Joe that tweeted this out. Maybe you've seen this. I think they tweeted it out back in March, and it was being recirculated uh, yesterday, was that uh, Antonio Rudiger has the highest rec recorded top speed in the Premier League this season with 36.7 kilometers per hour against Brighton. So, um, the speed aspect. And, and you mentioned, Jose, that the, the demands of modern football and what it has on center backs, right? And I would almost take it one step further and say the Real Madrid's demand on center backs is almost... <laughs> is almost more than what the general modern football demands. Because as you know, Real Madrid is a chaotic, uh, is a chaotic team. Um, and I think while we can safely say that Rudiger under Tuchel was a defender that probably improved over the last couple years, as you said, he got more composed, more mature. Tuchel is a very organized coach. He had an, Rudiger had a nice defensive structure around him. Having said that, We've also seen him defend the high line. We've also seen him, uh, the ability to just let Marcos Alonso or whoever's playing left back on that particular day go up the field and he can just cover for him reliably. Defending one-on-one -on -one duels, he's a, he's a firefighter, as I put it in my article. That aspect of it, do you think he'll be tested more in Real Madrid than we've seen him be tested against Chelsea? And how do you think he'll, be, he'll cope with that maybe increased demand? For sure, he'll be tested more in Real Madrid. And it and it's not so much... So here's the thing. Like, the doubt one can have with Rudiger is not... So there's a lot of, can he defend in a back four? To me, it's not so much about back four or back five. It's more a matter that at Chelsea, he was part of a well-defined defensive structure and defensive system. The so the real question is not so much whether he can play in the back for Real Madrid. It's how will he cope in a system where how will he cope in a team that doesn't have that much defensive structure where uh, he he has to be really the firefighter in every case. It means that there were so there are situations. Yes, in the back three there were situations where maybe he could make a mistake and he had other two center backs covering his back, or even there were other midfielders who could who could cover and give support because that's uh, that's how well structured the system is. But with Real Madrid, it's not that structure. So things depend defense depends more on individual quality on your ability to. Uh, track back or correct your own mistakes. I mean, that's why Casemiro is valuable because he's a player who has the explosiveness that even if he makes a mistake, he can go and correct it afterwards because he has the speed burst to do it. And Rüdiger is a similar pay case. He's a defender who, just like Casemiro, he can make uh, a mistake, but then he goes back. He has the speed to recover from those from those situations. Um, so that's the more worrying. That's really the 
key aspect uh, with Rudiger of how will he deal well with that lack of structure? Uh, he is, yes, he's a bit crazy. He can be a bit chaotic at times. Will that, will the chaos in our own defensive structure, will that affect? So, because one can argue that, yes, Rüdiger became a more composed defender because he was in a more organized, structured team. Will going into a less structured team make him go back to his more chaotic version? I think that's kind of the doubt. Then uh, the other doubt uh, is the it, it depends a bit on the partnership. So uh, on on who he partners up with. To me, uh, we like to uh, we often like to say in the analysis that center backs can be cats or dogs. So the more aggressive ones and the more passive ones. But uh, a good example, uh, well, Pepe and Ramos were dogs, so it was a partnership of dogs. Ramos and Baran, it was a dog and a cat. Uh, Alaba is more of a cat. He tends to be a bit more passive. Militao is definitely a dog. And if you put Rudiger and Militao together, then you have again two dogs. What happens with that? Sometimes it means that your defense is going to be a bit more aggressive, a bit more aggressive and might lack a bit of composure. How is that going to work out? Will it be okay? I mean, Ramos and Pepe was also okay. Also ended up being uh, doing well. So we'll see how though how everything ends up fitting together so it depends so i think it boils down to how does rudiger deal with being with more chaotic partners like militao and being in a more chaotic defensive structure in general that's the challenge yeah i have the same questions but at the same time knowing that regardless if it's rudiger or somebody else that's the way we're going to play and if i had to just take someone out of world football that i would like to put that burden on it's probably him so regardless of if he passes it with flying colors or if he struggles a bit more than he did against Chelsea I think he's the guy you probably want in that situation and I'd be willing to to I'd be willing to bet this is it's not a hot take but it's a prediction that could come back to haunt me but I think he's gonna turn into like three four years when we look back on this we're gonna be like man can't think of anyone better to put in this team. Like, I think he's, you know how like Cruz and Alaba, they integrated pretty quickly in the team when they arrived. I feel like mm -hmm. Rudiger's gonna be the same. I feel like he just fits, I, it makes sense. Mm -hmm. But I have the same questions as you do. Who is he paired with and all that stuff. Um, what about, do? You, let's explore more of his traits though. So we mentioned a lot of them. Um, talk to me about his on-ball abilities because defensively we know he's good. I was actually even impressed with him defending one-on-one -on -one versus Benzema when we played against them uh, earlier in the season. I, just even tracking Fede's runs in that half space that Fede does so well. Rudiger was right there tracking those as well. So he's good at that stuff. Um, to me, he's in a way, he's kind of like the Tony Cruz of the back line in that he can actually, I was looking at the numbers and I, and I wrote about this yesterday that he had over 220 passes into the final third in the Premier League this season. I think that puts him at like, Somewhere it was five, six, or seven, something like that. There's not many mm -hmm. who who are able to hit that ball better than he can. So that first pass out of a press that can break teams' pressing structures and get the ball to Vinicius and Benzema in the final side, he's very adept at that. So talk to me more about his on-ball ability and how that can help the team. Yes, uh, thinking about it, so I'm trying to think how would I compare him with, say, Alaba. I think... Alaba is more of a short passer. So uh, he's, uh, Alaba is a very, I think the right word is like associative player. He's the kind of guy who uh, likes to do like small passing combinations with teammates. He's that kind of passer. Uh, and of course he has a wide array of passes. Technically he's a great player. Um, Rudiger is a bit different uh, in that I would say he's that much of a short passer. He might be now, uh, thinking about it, he might have the best long pass uh, of the centre-backs in the squad now. So I would say he might be the best long passer for this. And you might, and we might get to, I mean, in the times that Ramos was in this team, Real Madrid built systems around his ability to send diagonal long balls from left to right. Uh, having Rudiger in the squad gives you uh, the alter gives you the choice to do that again. 
uh, because Alaba was always from a style perspective. I don't think that he, I don't, it's not like he's not capable of doing that pass. It's just, he doesn't think, he doesn't usually think in that way. So Rudiger has a bigger preference to, to make those diagonal, those diagonal balls. And yeah, there's a chance that this is something that could be used now again going forward doing that old switch of play from the left over to the right to Carvajal or to the right wing uh so that's one of the aspects that at least call my attention the most uh Chelsea has exploited that a lot uh in the build up in the build up phase especially uh, i think that's the pass that they have exploited the most uh from Rudiger and then uh to me, what what's real what really stands out even more is the ball carrying because because of his speed. So it's not like this guy has like I don't know some kind of messy ball control that you cannot take the ball off him. But uh, he is so fast and he tends to find rather creative solutions to get past defenders and and he just flies past you in the first place. That it's hard. Like once he goes at top speed with the ball he's incredibly hard to stop. Uh, so that's also that's also very valuable. I would say that in Real Madrid, uh, similar to what happened with Alaba, we're not going to see his offensive qualities as much as we did with Chelsea because in Chelsea, the back three allowed, gave him the freedom to go forward. Uh, in Real Madrid, playing in a back two, it'll be more difficult for him to go forward. So... He's probably not going to do uh, the pa- for example, the diagonal pass is still going to be there, but the ball carries, he might do them less frequently. We don't know, might not be the case, but I wouldn't be surprised if he just has less freedom to go f- forward than he did with Chelsea. I think it's natural when you just have two <clears throat> center backs. Yeah, that'll, that'll be interesting to keep our eye on because we've seen, like, for example, in the past, Ramos, like first of all, the diagonal switch, we haven't really seen it since Ramos left, right? Ramos was the guy who would always sing those, and obviously naturally he's right-footed, and Alaba doesn't have that same um, that same kind of technique because he's left-footed. So we'll see a lot more of those that we haven't seen since the Ramos era. But the going forward bit is interesting. Like when you think about Sergio Ramos, how many times he would venture forward and someone would cover for him, or, or some, funnily enough, sometimes we just wouldn't cover for him, and he would go there anyway, and it was yeah. absolutely crazy, right? But... Um, you know, we have seen Alaba venture forward at times when Mendy's a left back. I think if you if, if Mendy's a left back, I think there will be instances where Rudiger will go up the pitch. Because we've seen him, Mendy and Alaba be interchangeable at times and Alaba will go up field. We've seen his goal against Barcelona, I think last season was it? Uh, yeah, not, yeah. Or like, uh, you know, in the fall, whenever it was when we had that classical yeah, and yeah. he scored in the camp. No, um, You know, and we're talking about like balls over the top. You think about like Alaba's pass to was it Benzema for the offside goal against Liverpool in the Champions League final? The offside oh, goal, yes. you know, balls like that. I it makes me wonder how much do Alaba and Rudiger their best positions kind of conflict? What What are your thoughts on that? Uh, that's an interesting one. Uh, first of all, I think uh, well, good. A good point on like the fact that Rudiger is a right footer that plays left back because that's exactly what enabled Ramos to do those diagonal switches. It's better if you do it as a right footer from the left. And yeah, so I do think I am at the point where I still think that right now I'm like, I'm trying to think if this is true or not, but it's just that I've liked Alaba as a center back a lot. Uh, I'm not sure if I would say it's his best position at this at, in this day and age for him, but I like him a lot in that position. And it is, uh, yeah, it is. Uh, it does feel kind of weird uh, and unfair to to be like, yeah, we brought in this new guy who's going to play in his position in in that position now because he's done a really good job at center back. And I think, yeah, there's a good reason to say that it's it is now his best position and. Yeah, now you wouldn't want, uh, and especially when you already have like an established center back pair, you wouldn't want to mess with that. But uh, if I'm completely honest, in my head, I would even say that to me, 
Alaba and Rudiger sounds more like a starting center back pair than Militao and Rudiger because of how the styles conflict a bit. Um, it's just because it's another because that's more of a cat and dog pairing that I think it's a bit more balanced. Uh, at the same time, it depends also on the team. Like if you are going against a team that's going to send send twenty crosses into your box in ninety minutes, you probably want to have Militao and Rudiger defending the box anyways. So, um, all, uh, ultimately, I do think that Rudiger has to start. Now, what happens with the other two? I think that's going to depend a lot. The way I see it, ideally, is that that would depend a lot on the opponent. Now, but that's if it depended on me. Ancelotti, I think he doesn't think that way about squad building. And he genuinely believes on playing the same 11 as frequently as you can so that it you build so that you build like a very well-defined 11 that plays really well with each other. So I think Ancelotti is gonna choose a very well, like a very he's gonna clearly define a starting center back pair. And at the moment, I don't know what he's going to choose. Like to me, I think Rudiger will start, but I don't know who the other partner will be. To me, there's there's pros and cons to every approach. I, I think it's a good point that you want to establish rhythm and and familiarity and all that stuff between your center back partners. So you want to have a consistent duo. But I think it's kind of be going to be hard to do at this team for a variety of reasons. I think the from a ball progression standpoint, Rudiger and Alaba is your best choice. I also think we've had massive weaknesses this season defending set pieces and crosses. And Militao and Rudiger would be a better pairing in that sense. I mean, even if it's not a set piece, Alaba's tracking like of, his, of runners into the box and sometimes yes. he just loses them, right? Yes. Uh, at the same time, well, I don't know if we've talked about this yet. Rudiger as a right center back, how much of that do you think would be putting him out of his comfort zone? as opposed to playing left center back? That's an interesting question. I think, so my opinion on that is that defensively, it might not impact that much, but the impact is going to come offensively. You lose the, since you have a right footer from a right side, you probably lose the diagonal ball. Uh, he's going to be left less comfortable going forward, uh, less of an angle to shoot and pass. So, I think putting him at right center back could work defensively. It's just that you're gonna lose elements from him uh, in the offense. I think that would have that would be where the biggest impact is. Yeah. So and on one hand, we already have Militao as right center back, and he's he's right foot. And Militao is also, I you know, I am at Porto. He played plenty at left center back as well. So maybe he's yeah. actually the one. Maybe you could switch to left back, a left center back. Although we haven't seen it in a while. Um, I think it's one of the things I'd be kind of worried about. While I think Militao is is a type of player, I mean, he's he's made several mistakes, which we've dissected this season, right? And there was a stretch there, especially in that I think it peaked at the at at the Sanchez Pijuan against Sevilla, where he was really poor, and then like a few games before and after that, he was making a lot of mistakes. But Militao also, to me, is a really really still great center back. And I think as he gets older and more mature, he's going to get gut some of those mistakes. I think there is a little bit of a danger, as much as I personally would let, I think Rudiger and Alba would be our best center-back partnership. I also don't want to stifle Militao's development and growth because I think he just needs to kind of play through, play through some of this. Um, so there's that as well. And at the same time, I think he needs competition. I think he needs someone, not even just competition, I think he needs someone to like, when he's not playing well, like for we never had the luxury of a Rudiger to just come in and be like, okay, take some take some breaks, go to the bench, recalibrate, refocus, and then come back stronger. I think maybe he was burnt out at at, at a certain point too. You know, he's playing all these international yeah. break games, going to South America. Um, so that that'll be interesting. It's hard for me to see Ferlan Mendy going to the bench. I, that's that's how I see it. It's also hard for me to see Militao going to the bench. So I don't know, you know, we and we discussed it quite a bit yesterday too. Again, for like thirty minutes on what's the best best solution in all this. So 
if you had to decide now, like, not what you think is going to happen, not what you think Carlo Ancelotti is going to do. If you if you had the keys, what would you do for your for your center back or for your across the back four in a Champions League final? Everybody's healthy. My back four in the Champions League final. It would still be Alaba, Rudiger, uh, Militao, and Carvajal. That would be my back four, and I okay. am benching Mendy for this one. Okay. That's how I see it. In reality, I don't think Carlo or any coach will stop depending on a guy like Mendy. I would say that the thing is that I feel that Mendy for many games for many games uh, throughout the year for like 60, 70 percent throughout the year are against opponents where that extra defending from men like that extra elite defending from Mendy is not that necessary. And you need more uh, a left back that's better at going forward. And that's the value that Alaba brings. Um, yeah. And of course, the value of Mendy is really in those big games where you have to go against really elite right wingers that you need to stop somehow. I think that's the biggest value of Mendy, and it's why he's still a, a valuable part of this squad. But I have to admit that I am the my philosophy tends to be more of if you are a top club, you're it's more important that your fullbacks are better at attacking and being okay at defending. So that's, but that's my own philosophy. I don't think uh, Carlos sees football like that. And I think, like you said, I don't think he's going to bench Mendy that easily. Well, it, I mean, interesting. I mean, Carlo used to look at football like that. And I, you know, fullbacks have been, generally speaking, uh, an important part of his philosophy. You know, attacking my fullbacks who can contribute to the attack. I, on a case-to-case -case basis, it is a case-to-case -case basis. I, I also lean towards your philosophy of it's better to have an elite attacking fullback that can do damage and link up with your wingers than it is to have an, an elite defensive fullback who can't attack. It really depends on how, like, where you are on that spectrum, though, and I think it's a case-to-case -case basis. Like, for example, I'll just pull some names out of thin air. Odriozola's attack, attacking ability is not good enough to compensate for his defensive disasters, this disaster class. Marcelo's offensive ability and Trent Alexander-Arnold's offensive ability is enough to trump their defensive def deficiencies because they're so great offensively. Yes. Um, Furlan Mendy, to me, is so great defensively that it's enough to trump the that fact he that he's not that good offensively. Correct. But it's an interesting, I mean, it's an interesting debate because I think I've seen enough from Ferland Mendy that while he does a lot of things in, in the opposing box that drives my, it makes me want to drive my hair out of my skull. Like, what are you doing? Like, just, you're, you're overcomplicating it. Like, just, you're good at ball carrying and you're good at just maybe doing a cutback in the box and making an off-ball run to unlock some space for Vinicius. Beyond that, you don't need to overcomplicate it. I think he, he doesn't, like, someone Someone made this point in the comments somewhere. I don't know where, forgive me. I don't know who it was because we've had so many comments on the different platforms. But someone made the point, like, Mendy's already 27, I think. He's not going to improve much offensively. I think that's true. That's 100% a true statement because we've seen at this yeah. stage of their career, we know what these footballers are. If you're going to improve, it's going to be marginal, I think. You know, it's not going to be much. You know, Casemiro now is not going to become Xabi Alonso. Um, on the flip side, Marcelo was never going to become Paolo Maldini. You know, by the time he was like 28, we just knew, okay, this guy's just bad at defense. It's, it's, Mendy's not going to improve offensively. But what I think he can do is, I've seen enough from him to know that he can actually contribute offensively to a certain extent. I brought up the example with Lucas yesterday, that game against Levante, which really we shouldn't be taking anything away from because it, the season was over and we just destroyed them. But Mendy made all these really good offensive runs off the ball that unlocked passing outlets for our back line. It unlocked space for Vinicius. If he can just do those minor things, it's a huge upgrade, I think, to our offense. But it remains to be seen. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's a problem, like, you know, to your point, Jose, uh, of, um, you know, again, establishing rhythm and having partnerships and Mendy not being needed defensively for like the 80% of the games. And if he plays those 20% of the games where we need him, does that also all of a sudden 
mess with our momentum and our rhythm, you know? Does it mess with Mendy's yeah. ability? To, does it mess with Mendy's ability to perform the twenty percent of games if he's not playing the other eighty percent? I don't know. Fabio Coentrao did it pretty well for us for for a couple of years, where Marcelo would start again a bunch of these La Liga games, and then Coentrao would come in against Bayern Munich and Atletico in the Champions League final, and he was awesome and he could do it. I don't know. These are these are all questions I, that we have. I also yeah. I also don't know. I mean, to me, the value I find a lot in having Alaba as left back. It's not just specific runs or individual actions. It's how he under like how he underst- his understanding with other players. To me, the biggest issue I have with Mendy on the offense is not even his individual actions. Is that there's still not like a well-defined yeah. uh, partnership with Vinicius. Exactly. So there's no chemistry with Vinicius. And at this point, you if we really want to maximize the attacking potential of this team you need a fullback who has chemistry with Vinicius because that will be the key. Me- what happened a lot, a lot of times this year, if you don't have, if Vinicius was not on a good day and was not having a good dribbling day, you couldn't break through a deep block. Uh, what, and, a, and I think the limitation for Real Madrid when it comes to deep blocks is that, yes, we haven't had fullbacks that have been really elite in offensive aspects in a while, mostly because Carvajal hasn't had the best, uh, the best uh, last couple of years and because we've switched over to Mendy. So uh, I think the fullbacks have really been an issue when it comes to our, uh, to Real Madrid's ability to break down uh, deeper blocks. And I think if you could have, if Alaba, for example, uh, demonstrate, like if uh, Ancelotti decides to play Alaba left back this season and he develops a good partnership, like he develops a good chemistry and understanding with Vinicius, I think even for Ancelotti, it would be hard not to keep him there because it's an incredibly valuable, uh, it would be an incredibly valuable resource for the team if they're able to find someone who has that chemistry with Vinicius. I think that's, at this point, Vinicius is at the point where everything we can do to build a bit more around him is worth it. I say it all the time. It's a damn shame we never got to see peak Marcelo play with Vinicius on the left. It would have been so much fun to see those two at their at their peak together. Um, I, I want to make one more point about Mendy. And you kind of touched on it, but... If you look at all these Champions League knockout games, so many of our transition attacking sequences were Vinicius having to dribble past three, four players. And I don't really blame him for not being able to do that on several sequences. You know, there was against City, like, you know, Kyle Walker defended him really well. But also, if on the ch- the off chance that Walker got beat or someone got beat, it was hard for him because there was like three, four players that were converging on him on the cut-in. Mendy, Mendy by design was clearly instructed not to really go into the final third much because, you know, <laughs> look at the wingers we were facing. Everyone from Salah to Mares to the Ashraf Di Maria, Mbappe, whoever, combo on that side. Um, If he's just asked to just make that run, it kind of just declutters it a little bit for Vinicius, even if Mendy doesn't get the ball. And I wonder like how much of it is also by design too. And I think that's that's part of the reason also to your point, I don't know how easily Ancelotti would bench Mendy in those games because I think he would really value value it. So... We'll see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think a lot of this season definitely a lot of it was by design. Yeah. That um that there there are certain moments maybe we uh whenever the team decides to be more decided to be more offensive this season or with Zidane, you could still see the lack of chemistry when he did those runs. But this times, like in, in, in the games that you mentioned, it was by design that he that he was staying back. Now, the other question that I I was gonna bring up. So now that the team has uh, th- what three, three, three good, four really good center back options, and Mendy. Is there a possibility of switching over to a back three? It's it's a question that everyone's asking. My, I think if you like just in a vacuum, if you had a tactical setup where you had Rudiger, Militao, Alaba. Mendy and Carvajal as your wingbacks, that's a damn good solidified structure, right? But then what do you do with the rest? 
what like where do Vinicius I mean Vinicius and Benzema are lockdown starters what do you do with the rest so that's five seven positions you have and then the goalkeeper eight you have three three positions left who do you who do you put in that role and, and there are options. You could go with three wingers or you could just do Benzema and Vinicius up top, three midfielders. And there are other... Uh, I think the biggest issue with that is that we don't really... Uh, uh, the team doesn't really have like very like specialized wingback options because uh, Mendy, I wouldn't exactly call him a wingback. Carvajal, I think he could do the role. You could come up with creative options and... Put, I don't know, Fede as a right wing like that. You could always happen. You could. <clears throat> you could. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it is, I still think it's, a, I don't think, uh, I, br- I brought up the discussion point, but for now, I don't think the squad is built for that. So I wouldn't expect, I wouldn't expect it uh, to, it for it to become about, to play mostly as a back three or anything like that. I don't think the squad is built for that, but at the very least now, there is an option. There is even uh, at this point, well, it's probably not going to happen if Real Madrid signs Chouameni, but there would have even been an option of making Alaba a defensive midfielder instead of like, using Alaba as kind of Casemiro's substitute too, because that's how uh, that's how much like he can play a lot of different positions. So uh, it looks like it won't happen given uh, what the team is trying, what the club is trying to say. Uh, that the club is trying to sign Chouameni, but still, it gives a it gives a lot of options in a way. Like it's hard to know. Like for me, it's still a bit hard to know whether this Rudiger move is good or bad for Alaba because, in one sense, uh, it means that you can kind of exploit him uh, in many different roles. Like you can use him as a joker of sorts who can play left back, center back, even as a six. Uh, at the same time, it also means that maybe he doesn't have like a well-defined position in the eleven anymore. Don't know. The three-five-two is has long been one of my favorite formations if deployed properly. Uh, mm-hmm. I never liked it at Real Madrid because Zidane tried it a few times and it just didn't look good. Understandably so. It's hard to just switch that to a fly. It has to be kind of ingrained in your collective DNA, and you got to practice it. You know. It's got to be something that's been worked on in training, you know, leading up to it. To switch on the fly was going to be always hard to do. But the reason I haven't, we haven't really discussed is I just wasn't sure how realistic of an option it was. So I was like, how much do we want to dive into this idea? But in theory, I think if you had, I mean, just entertain me on this for a second. Alba, Militao, and Rudiger. Then you had Mendy as your left wing back. Carvajal is your right wing back. I love the idea of, of Fede in that role as well on the on the odd occasion. Vinicius and Benzema up top. Whoever you put in the midfield three, I think it will work. Whatever combination of Kamavinga, mm-hmm. Modric, Cruz, Fede, Casemiro, Chuomeni, whoever, it's going to look good. I think the, the, the interesting thing about that lineup is that there shouldn't be like any goals conceded if you do it properly. Especially with Courtois there as your last-ditch resort of, like, you shall not pass. And it would free up a lot of... Like, you you basically would lift the defensive burden off of Vinicius as well, so he can just focus on that. Like, the, the co- amount of coverage yes. in the lineup like that would be insane. Like, he... It's not that he wouldn't have to defend, don't get me wrong, but I'm just saying, like, he wouldn't necessarily have to start tracking... And 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 yeah. doubling up with Mendy, you know, to stop like it, it would just conserve his energy because you could also see he was getting tired as well. I, I I love I love it in a vacuum. I just don't think we'll see it for some reason. I don't think. Well, I don't think we'll see it. Uh, I also, yeah, like just uh, the main thing that would concern me is that well, it does put more pressure on the wing backs to produce a lot offensively, and yes, I'm not sure Mendy and Carvajal are the best bets to do that. And uh, um, yeah, I just feel that this team has gotten used for so long to playing with like three forwards that mm, I just don't see it happening. And I don't think the squad is built for that for now. But no, it's not. Yeah, it's not. There's also a surplus of wingers as well. It does give alternatives. Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say there's a surplus of wingers as well, right? Rodrigo and whether. (laughs) Let me ask you this where are you on this hazardous back thing? 
Do you know that this is a, a, a movement? I didn't know it was. I mean, I know he said things. I didn't know it. People still had faith. Like, well, oh, Allah, uh, there's a whole cult. There's a whole cult of Hazard's back because he re removed the plate from his ankle. I mean, you see, you have to see people's actions rather than their words. I, I am sure the player really wants to be back and is going to try his hardest, but his body is at this point very different from what it was uh, when Real Madrid signed him. So even if he really wants to be back at his best, we don't know if it'll happen. I can't even say for sure. Like we've seen cases of players who go into their 30s, manage to readapt like to their uh, new to their new body, to put it that way. Like they know to adapt to their new strengths and deficits uh, in their 30s and then have really good careers uh, in their 30s. Others don't manage to do it. Some manage to recover from the injury. Some don't. I don't know. Uh, but the, the only thing I know is that if his body is really at this point i don't doubt the player's commitment or his intention to really like that has hasn't been the problem it hasn't been that that really the problem with is that his body at this point doesn't like he was fundamentally a dribbler and that requires a certain speed elasticity especially from your body that he doesn't seem he didn't seem to have it anymore so What's going to happen then? Because what we've seen of Asak the last two years or so is that of a player who cannot do that dribbling anymore. So he has to be stuck in doing like the small passing combinations that he's still pretty good at reading. But that's a very limited resource. If he cannot, like if he cannot dribble the way he did before, I just struggle to see the value. Yeah. Thankfully, I think one of the things that looked good for him in his limited cameos was that his dribbling and his ability to hold the ball was at least good. Like, yeah, it's not like the same line-breaking dribbling, though, that it used to be. No. It's just like he's good on the ball. But beyond that, he's not going to just be completely dynamic and, and, and agile and shift through three, four defenders. So I'm yeah. extremely skeptical. If... He I'm come, extremely skeptical. Too. Yeah, if he comes back to like 80% of his powers, Ooh. Call, call me surprised and happy, but I just don't, I'm skeptical, that's all. And yeah, yeah, yeah. like this whole this whole thing that he used to do takes summers off. I, I understand like we can praise him for his dedication and the fact that he hasn't complained, he's worked hard, he is a Real Madrid fan, he wants to be here. I understand you want to praise him for that, but I think we... We can't forget that it's very fair to be critical of the fact that he took summers off like every year, his whole career. And he got away with it throughout his 20s because he was young. He came off to the, he started the preseason out of shape. He worked his way into shape and became a fit, became fit later. But you can't do that now. Like you can't, it's, if he doesn't, he can't do that this summer, right? He can't do no. that anymore. It's caught up. Yeah, here. and that's, I, I mean, and I think a lot of top players say that. Like I think, Messi had like a really good example of like in my 20s, I could eat uh, what, whatever thing I wanted. I drank Coke, I, uh, I had sweets and everything and I didn't care. But then once I got to my 30s, I had to change everything in order to maintain performance. And yes, if Asakti is not willing to do that, then yeah, that makes that would make us even less optimistic about him. Uh, having a good career into his 30s. I just think that dribblers like him or Neymar, like they just don't age very gracefully because their main skill, the thing that real, the basis of their game is the dribbling. And if you take that away, becomes a completely different player. Especially if you've gotten yeah. beaten up and injured and all that stuff, it, it, makes, it makes it even harder. I mean, that's part of the problem with Neymar, right? I mean, he's just been getting annihilated with injuries and yes. heavy, heavy challenges and heavy tackles. Um, Hazard plays today in the Nations League. We'll keep our eye. We'll uh, report it on managing yeah. Madrid. Any parting thoughts on Rudiger before we wrap it up? No, just I, I feel very similarly uh, to this signing, the way I felt about, there are different players, but I feel similar to how I felt about Alaba last year, that it's, I can't imagine a better fit. Uh, I think the club look 
for a player who was had the right contract situation, the right quality, the right fit with the team, similar to with Alaba, I think both were really good signings and similar to Alaba. I would be surprised if I don't see uh, Rudiger one adapting to the team quickly and two just uh, uh, becoming a fine favorite quickly. So, yeah, I'd be surprised. Honestly, I'd be surprised if this goes wrong. Anything can happen, but I think I, I am quite excited about this. And uh, and I think the team needed that a lot because even as uh, even though they had a very solid center back partnership with Alaba and Militao, I think it was really, really clear that uh, the team had lost a lot in its ability to defend the air after Ramos and Varane left. And with Rudiger, you don't have to do that trade-off anymore. He's someone who has the ability on the ball, but is also powerful at defending in the air. And yeah, I think the team needed a bit of signing, like, needed a signing like that to just become a more complete defensive structure. And this is especially important when you, uh, for example, Alaba's defect uh, in not defending the box that well, maybe it wouldn't be seen that much in, uh, I don't know, in Guardiola's Manchester City, because it's a team that presses so high that you don't get that much, that many attacks into the box. But the way Ancelotti defends, that they defend deeper, that requires defenders who are a bit better in the box. And yeah, I think especially on the, especially with the team still playing under Ancelotti, it's very useful to have a defender that can, who can do that. Well said, well said. Jose, thanks for your time, my friend. This was uh, it was awesome to get your insight. We'll, uh, in case of an emergency, too many episode is needed, we'll we'll give you a call again, and uh, that'd be that'd be yeah, something that I hope will happen for sure. Thanks, Jose. Appreciate it, man. Take care, buddy. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thanks everyone for listening. See you around. <laughs>